Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast contains language which may not be suitable for children. Listener discretion advised. Cats. In October of 2003, a man named Michael Wales began emailing with a mysterious stranger. The stranger claimed to be in some financial trouble. The stranger, who later called himself Omar, explained that his father was a recently disgraced political advisor who needed to hide $24 million of his family's fortune. He wanted to know, would Michael take this money into his account in return for a small share? If so, he'd just need to front a couple of bucks to pay for the transfer. So Michael knew this was a classic scam. But unlike most people, he wasn't content to just ignore it. He was part of the established subculture known as scam baiters, people who engage with would-be scammers for sport. So sensing a fun opportunity, Michael went back and forth with Omar for a few months. And then he took things a step further and offered Omar a sales job with a fake company he'd invented. There was no money involved for Michael, but soon he was not only emailing Omar, but getting voicemails from him too. Hello, uh, this is uh, Mr. Omar speaking. Can you get back to me through the email or through the telephone number I gave to you? Because I tried to contact you, the number you gave to me. But unfortunately, I'm hearing only a voice message. Omar accepted the fake job and then his first assignment. It involved traveling from Gabon, where he lived, to Nigeria. Omar was supposed to meet someone in Nigeria, but given that the job was fake... The contact never showed. The problem was that Omar spent all of his money on his ticket to Nigeria, and then he couldn't get home. So he started pleading with Michael for help. So please try and get back to me. I really, to tell you, I'm stranded now in Lagos. Michael didn't stop there when he heard that Omar was stranded in Lagos. He wanted Omar to keep going on this wild goose chase until he was stranded thousands of miles away from home. He kept telling Omar to keep going to different countries where the alleged contact would finally materialize. By the time Michael lost contact with the scammer, Omar was sleeping on the street. This was the last that Michael ever heard from him. So if you dare any way you can assist me to get back to Gabon, please do. Bye. From Cast Media, this is Vigilante. You're listening to a story told in one episode called Scambaiters, a Brilliant Game. I'm Ali Conti. So if you haven't already, please take a couple of seconds to rate, review, and subscribe in Apple Podcasts. I would really appreciate it, and it's good for you, too, because subscribing will let you know about our second full season as soon as it drops. 
Also, if you know anyone with an idea for a subsequent season or single episode of Vigilante, go ahead and drop me a note in your review. Our team is growing and always on the lookout for what's next. Thanks, and enjoy this single episode. I wanted to hear from Michael to figure out how he felt nearly 20 years after the fact about potentially leading a man to his death. Sure, the scammer was trying to steal money from someone, but was that really worth his life? I managed to reach Michael when he was on vacation on a beach off the coast of Texas. It was loud and windy, not a great place to do a reflective interview. Where are you uh, on vacation right now? I am literally sitting on the beach of Padre Island. Uh, it's beautiful. Uh, have a good time. <laughs> okay. I uh, can't hear you too good. Uh, are, you, are you on speaker? Oh. I could actually barely hear Michael, but he did express that he had since felt regret about what he did to Omar. I was so excited to dig into that more when he got home. Just gleaning that tiny morsel of information about how Michael regretted what he did it made me more desperate than ever to understand why he did it in the first place. But then Michael ultimately decided he didn't want to talk after all. Having hit a wall, I had to come up with an alternate plan. I figured I might be able to piece together an explanation by talking to other scam baiters instead. This is the subculture of internet vigilantes I mentioned before. The ones who try to outwit scammers at their own game. To back up just a tiny bit, scam baiting has actually been a long-standing fascination of mine. Back in the early 2010s, I was interning at Vice Magazine in Brooklyn. The month that I started working there was when I first learned about scam baiting. Vice published an issue with a really strange cover image. It featured a man in a black trench coat and a Barack Obama mask holding up a sign that read, Scammers Issue. It was clearly taken in some sort of home office or even in someone's apartment. There was a lime green wall in the background, a black leather couch, and a mini fridge with a pile of dirty dishes on top of it. Inside was an article written by a Belgian artist named Nishka, who first got scammed the old-fashioned way as a 21-year-old traveling through Barcelona. He's in his mid-40s now, but apparently never forgot about it. He was able to recall the scam in near-perfect detail when I reached him a couple months back. Here he is talking about the moment he first stumbled across the scammers while walking down a street in the central part of the city. You know, it's like eight people standing all, all around each other, and in the middle there's a guy moving, three ball, uh, moving a ball with three cups. And so one guy in the audience gives him like a 20-euro note and points to the wrong egg cup. And I'm looking at this thinking... That guy's an idiot. The ball's under the middle one. What's he doing? And I'm watching it, and they're doing it like three or four times. And every time I'm thinking, the guy, all these people are idiots. I can see the ball. It's under the middle cup. And uh, so then off I go. I get my money. I get my wallet out, give the guy 20 euros. And and I point to the middle cup because obviously it's in the middle cup. I've just seen it. And he lifts it, and it's not there. And I can't believe it. And I'm thinking, wait, that's in, how did I make, I made a mistake. So I go again. And basically, after about 45 seconds, I had nothing left in my wallet. And, uh, and I was being encouraged as well by this little old guy that was next to me. And then the next day, I was walking down La Rambla again. And it was the exact eight people, but with a big, tall, lanky American tourist with a backpack in the middle getting his wallet out. 
And I said, and I just went straight into that huddle and I said, dude, get out there. They're all in on it. It's a scam. They're going to, you know, empty your wallet in no time. And it, but it was brilliant. You know, it was brilliant. It was so well done. This experience apparently sparked a lifelong intellectual fascination with scams and scammers. And it's what led Mishka to eventually write that Vice article. His subject matter was a form of internet vigilantism known as scam baiting. Well, scam baiting is basically um, wasting as much of a scammer's time as possible. So you're trying to kind of play the scammer at their own game. Um, and what's, what's interesting about it is that nobody's, un- nobody's identity in this game is, is real. Everyone is kind of hiding behind a different identity. In his article, Mishka described three scammers who posed as a widow, a doctor, and a banker. He chronicled how, over the course of four months, he allegedly exchanged nearly 7,000 words worth of emails with them. And then he convinced one of them to take the silly photo that ended up on the magazine's cover. This photo is what's known in the scam-baiting community as a trophy. And it was Mishka's goal to get one. In most cases, the trophy is a photo of the scammer holding up a handwritten sign with an offensive phrase on it. A lot of the time, these photos are posted on a website that Mishka told me about during our call. 419eater.com is named after the Nigerian penal code that relates to scams or cons. And there are thousands of people who hang out on its forums, egging each other on, or helping to come up with more and more elaborate ways of wasting scammers' time. Michael's prank was legendary lore on 419eater, where it was deemed Omar's adventure. I recently joined 419eater and posted in hopes of finding more of these community members to speak to. The post was quickly deleted because you're apparently not supposed to do that. Luckily, one of the site's moderators soon got in touch with me through email, and that's how I'd learned that the scam baiters were hiding behind different identities, as Mishka put it. But what actually united them was a little bit more surprising. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Like a lot of people, I can get stuck in a repetitive loop of spiraling thoughts. It can be tough to train your brain to focus on solutions rather than dwelling on problems. And if that sounds like you, it might be time to consider finding a therapist to help. It doesn't matter what your goal is or whether it's big or small, having a therapist can help you get into problem-solving mode. So if you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. You get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey, and you can switch therapists at any time. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. You don't even have to leave your house. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com Vigilante today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot Vigilante. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. With HelloFresh, ingredients travel from the farm to your doorstep in fewer than seven days, so you know that they're fresh. Plus, pre-portioned ingredients make cooking a snap and cut down on food waste. HelloFresh is now also offering vegan recipes on their menu every week, all made without animal products of any kind. 
enjoy meals like sweet chili tofu bowls or spicy coconut curry stir-fry. I love having a couple of HelloFresh meals around the house for those days that I just can't be bothered to come up with something to cook. It takes all the guesswork out of what's for dinner, and the ingredients are honestly better than some of the ones that I can get at my local grocery store in central Brooklyn. I'm consistently impressed with everything they've sent me, and maybe that's why they're America's number one meal kit. Go figure. Anyway, go to HelloFresh.com slash Vigilante65 and use the code Vigilante65 for 65% off plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash Vigilante65 for 65% off. Cheers. Boy, for me personally, um, this goes back about 10 years ago. And I had just been through a divorce. I was out there on the dating sites. And I started noticing kind of this um, very common thing that was happening with men that were contacting me on the dating site. This is the moderator at the site I was talking about, 419eater.com. But back before she became the moderator, she was just a divorcee trying to navigate sites like Match.com and Plenty of Fish. Her options were lackluster, but the sheer number of apparent scammers on the site added to her frustration. People who seemed too good to be true kept asking her for money. Um, A lot of them just happened to be engineers or contractors working overseas, making a lot of money, widowers with two kids. And I used to work in, I've I've done a lot of work, my background's in um, computer science. I've done a lot of work in data analysis. And this was just too much of a coincidence for me. So, you know, my my data diving uh, mind just sort of perked up and said, let's look into this. She goes by Kitty, though that's not her real name. She's okay with her voice being published, but wants to keep her name private. She's actually a cybersecurity professor on the West Coast. Given her day job, Kitty knew a thing or two about how to potentially get back at the guys who were trying to scam her. And she was angry that people would try to take advantage of a recently divorced woman. So she decided to strike back. The first step was creating a fake dating profile in order to reach out to the potential scammers herself. And and when I found the Eater site, this is what they helped train me to do, was um, reach out and say, you know, yeah, where do I send the money? They would give me either a connection through Western Union or a bank account, and I would turn that over to a moderator of the site and say, here's, here's the information I collected. At her peak, Kitty estimates she was spending up to 10 hours per week talking to scammers and posting on 419 Eater. That's also where she heard from would-be victims for the first time. One of the victims of this particular scammer logged onto the site and said, this guy scammed me. And so I actually saw what the damages were from from one of the victim's points of view. And I think that's what really hooked me on this. It's like, wow, if I can step in and help save one of these people from all of this pain and misery when their money is gone and their heart is broken, that's a great thing. What was that guy's specific story who was scammed? Do you remember the amount that he was taken for? Yeah. So at the time, it was around $4,000. And the scammer who uh, contacted me, the scammer was male. But when he contacted the original person, uh, he acted as a female. 
And then he stole his original victim's ID. And so that's why the original victim figured it out. Because he said, hey, that's my name. And I listed off the names and the emails that this person had sent me. And this guy said, you know what? This guy acted as a woman and scammed me. We find that 99% of the time, uh, scammers who are acting as women online are actually men. So, you know, there's, there's some real betrayal that goes on there when you think you're dealing with one person and you're not. And soon enough, what started out as a way to get through a nasty divorce now gave her a sense of moral purpose. Romance scams are a billion-dollar industry, according to the FBI. And every time Kitty spoke to a scammer and wasted their time, she thought she was preventing them from making another buck. But as Kitty got more and more involved in the scam-baiting subculture, she also started living a double life. Gosh, I was... A single mom working a very respectable job. Uh, Nobody in the community would ever guess that I was doing this, which kind of fits with my life in general. Um, You know, uh, I've worked in years and years um, in the computer industry, and I can't tell you how many times I've shown up at a conference talked to somebody in an expo center, asked a technical question, and they've said, yeah, let me talk to your manager and I'll answer that question for them. And it's like, oh, honey, you know, I'm the one asking because I'm the programmer. Um, So, you know, I've 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 been used to living a life where I'm kind of not really seen for who I am. And so this, this sort of fits in in a really fun way with being able to kind of infiltrate and not be suspected at all. Eventually, Kitty met someone in real life and deleted her dating profile. But she kept the fake profile that she used to talk to scammers. It was empowering for her to keep going. While she said her ex-husband was controlling and never would have let her engage in scam baiting, her new partner thought what she did was pretty cool. And as Kitty helped more and more victims recover money, she also became addicted to the thrill of the chase. Scam baiting became like a game. 419 Eater even had its own little internal prize system. So if you can get a scammer to go across country lines, uh, you get a little icon that shows a safari uh, helmet. And if you get, you know, if you do a really big safari with a lot of really interesting things and get them to go a long distance, you might win the coveted Golden Piff Helmet Safari Prize. And a few people have done that as well. What about so yourself? Give out prizes. I have not won the Golden Pith, but I have sent scammers on several safaris, so that's a lot of fun. And we have different tactics to lure them away, and while they're away, they're not scamming other people, so it's a good thing. Kitty's aware of the scam bait that Michael Wales pulled, the one that led Omar on a wild goose chase across Africa. Like I said, it's legendary lore on the site she moderates. That said, the culture of 419 Eater seems to have changed a bit since the people there uniformly celebrated what very well could have been a man's death. Now, according to Kitty, the moderators of the site are trying to use their skills for good, beyond just trying to waste the scammers' time. They just had a whole recent campaign where they tricked scammers into getting vaccinated. So um, we actually had to, during COVID, we had to stop that for a while because we are all about safety. We do not want to send a scammer off to another country where they could uh, potentially infect somebody 
or they could get infected and bring it back to um, you know people in their own country. So we started a new contest. We called it just a little prick. And all it is is we want to get our scammers vaccinated. So the contest was to see if we could get our scammers vaccinated. Um, that is something a lot of scammers were reluctant to do. Um, I did get my scammer vaccinated. He sent me his card for proof. So that was great. But despite this new band, sometimes the scammers end up in pretty awful positions after dealing with the scam baiters. So if you come to our site, we'll give you some of our tips and, and techniques on how to infiltrate a, a gang. But basically, I infiltrated this guy's gang. I posed as a scammer. And I got all of his buddies to give me all of their financial information. And we went after all of them. And he, um, I, I really got him to trust me as a as a fellow scammer. Because I was the connection to the gang going in with this primary scammer, he basically got ostracized from the gang. And the last I heard from him, he said that um, he was completely broke. Uh, he had been kicked out of this, uh, this group, no means for money, um, got kicked out of the home that he was living in, and his family was disowning him. And um, because they, they learned a little bit about what he was doing. This might be a good time to bring up that a lot of people wonder if scam baiting is ethical. Most scam baiters are from the U.S. or Europe, and most of the scammers they target are poor, from outside the Western world, and might have limited opportunities to make money. When you add in the fact that the goal of these exchanges is to collect photos of human beings as quote-unquote trophies, well, the optics of that aren't great, at least. I asked Mishka, the artist, what he thought about this critique. He's the one whose interest in scam baiting is purely intellectual. But he was surprisingly dismissive of the idea. Well, if you don't, if, if you know nothing of the consequences of scammers' actions, yeah, it's totally fraught and it's completely ethically dubious. I decided that in order to understand what he meant, I need to get in touch with one of the would-be victims themselves. And now a word from our sponsor. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. Masterclass offers access to more than 150 instructors who are experts on basically anything you can imagine. That means you can learn how to improve your moves on the court from Steph Curry, strategize on new ways to beat your friends at poker with lessons from Phil Ivey, and improve your communication skills by watching fake interrogation videos led by Chris Voss of the FBI. That last one was particularly interesting to me. I do interviews all day, and while that's not entirely analogous to convincing someone to disarm a bomb or free hostages, it's related enough to have kept me interested. Seriously, I feel like I learned 10 new things in 10 minutes, but I still binged these videos because they were so fun. And that's in no small part because Chris is such a funny, engaging dude. I would honestly love to interview him, so Chris, if you're out there, email me. Anyway, I highly recommend you check it out. You can get unlimited access to every class, and as a Vigilante listener, you can get 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash vigilante right now. That's masterclass.com slash vigilante for 15% off Masterclass. Like every New Yorker, I'm always looking forward to fall. Autumn has, like, the only two bearable weeks of weather out of the entire year. But even if you don't live here, you probably have something that you do look forward to every October. 
And if you're in healthcare, let me let you in on a little secret. The company called Figs has the comfiest scrubs around, and they've just released some new colors and styles for the season. I just got a new pair of New Balance sneakers from Figs yesterday, and I already love them. Even though I don't work in healthcare, these shoes make me feel like I could be on my feet all day. Figs has this proprietary four-way stretch fabric that's moisture-wicking, anti-wrinkle, and anti-odor. And right now, their customizable products are available in autumnal colors. That's another great thing about fall, getting to say the word autumnal. Anyway, Figs believes that the awesome folks in healthcare deserve some awesome scrubs to match. So head to wearfigs.com and use the code VIGILANTE to get 15% off your first order. That's W-E-A-R-F-I-G-S dot com, promo code VIGILANTE. I needed something that could bring me joy. And um, I, I, I may, maybe it was like, maybe it was like a sense of like revenge. Like I have all this bad stuff going on in my life maybe like there's some justice that could like make me smile for once or something. That's Jonathan. He's in his mid thirties and works as a professor in Korea. He's also a computer programmer and hardcore gamer who has a meticulously curated collection of handheld consoles in the background of his office. So if you'll recall, Mishka, the Belgian artist, got his start in scam baiting when it was primarily still based around email scams. Kitty, the woman I spoke to on the West Coast, learned how to do it when scammers were targeting romance seekers on dating sites. Meanwhile, Jonathan is a more recent convert to the scam-baiting subculture. And that means he's come across a more recent iteration of scamming. Like most of the other people I talked to, Jonathan came to scam-baiting when he was at a low point. He was looking for something to make him feel better, to help him regain a sense of control and distract from some of the pain in his life. In the, the beginning stages of the pandemic, I was feeling very depressed and I was trying to find ways of, of finding joy in my life and like feeling fulfilled. I, I had hurt my, my leg in a way where I needed like a really invasive surgery. I had uh, ACL reconstruction surgery. And then immediately after that, I had a second surgery um, for a torn meniscus on the same knee. And so I was unable to walk for like a good amount, like pretty much a, a, a year and a half I wasn't able to walk and so I gained weight uh, and so I was just very depressed about that and my girlfriend at the time who was living in America on a visa her visa was set to expire and basically she was deported and it was a very abrupt kind of end to a very good relationship and I, so I felt alone I felt honestly pretty suicidal and very like depleted uh, I needed some sort of escape from that, to be honest with you. Jonathan's real start in scam baiting came when he tried to buy a PlayStation 5. This was a couple of years ago when they were still really hard to get a hold of and people were scalping them on social media. The scam Jonathan uncovered was extremely simple. The scammers would sell someone a video game console and then just never ship it. They then would block their mark on social media or delete their profiles entirely. But the more Jonathan looked into these shady sellers, the more obvious it became that these scammers weren't operating independently. They seemed to be coordinating. And so they would do this by creating like Facebook pages, which is like a, like a business page or something. And they would make hundreds of these things, thousands of these things. And if you get banned on Facebook, you have to make a new account. But if you get in trouble with a Facebook page, your page gets deleted 
but you can still use your your original accounts to make more pages. So some of these people would operate multiple pages and cast as much of a big net as they can. Sometimes they'd pay for ads, and the the pages all looked very similar. Um, hey, we're selling a PlayStation Five. Look at all all of our PlayStation Fives. So I tried to figure out like this is not some small like one person trying to scam another person for a few hundred dollars. This is some sort of operation. Like what's going on here? So Jonathan, who was already bored and depressed, started engaging with the scammers. Most of the time, they'd ask for money through Bitcoin, and Jonathan would pretend to send it. He'd Photoshop a copy of a receipt for the scammers in order to see what they would do next. Sometimes the scammer wouldn't realize right away that the receipt was fake and they would proceed with the transaction. This signaled to Jonathan that there was a middleman operating in the scam. That would explain why the person he was talking to couldn't verify he hadn't actually paid. Eventually, Jonathan saw an ad on Facebook that caught his attention. It was a job posting for what sounded like another scam. So he applied out of curiosity. They wanted my ID. They wanted like all this information about me. So I gave them fake information. I photoshopped a, a, a driver's license and I sent it to them. And basically what they told me was that I would be working as a, a money mule, like somebody who would receive money. I would need to convert it to Bitcoin and give it to them. And I get like 10% or something. Basically, they were looking for a middleman. And coincidentally, Jonathan recognized the scammers. And I realized like, oh, these people that I'm like working for or that I would work for are actually the same PlayStation 5 scammers. He took the job based on these fake credentials, and within just a few hours, he was sent several hundreds of dollars belonging to victims of the scam. And I thought, oh, I'd, uh, I'd just refund it or something, like immediately refund it and then put in the note, don't uh, give money to these people, they're scammers, like trying to warn them. And I did a lot. I did it many times, actually, and my account never got taken down. Usually I talked to the scammers. I felt like maybe I was helping because I was distracting them. But here's actually one of the first instances where I'm kind of actually interrupting their operation. Jonathan's scam baiting got even more involved after that. Some days he'd stay up late and lose sleep while tracking down or talking to a scammer. People in his life called him crazy. But instead of pulling back, Jonathan added some more tools to his tool belt. First, he found a website that could create links for him to send to the scammers. If they clicked on these links, Jonathan would be able to get a general sense of their locations. Almost invariably, scammers would claim to be from a place within the U.S., like Boston or Florida, but actually be in Cameroon. This was all happening during the peak of the pandemic. And during his isolation, while Jonathan himself was experiencing peak loneliness and living thousands of miles away from his family in the States— he started talking to the scammers to learn more about their lives. Some of the scammers, like, they have it really bad. Like, people in Cameroon, like, one of the guys I was talking to from Cameroon, he said he has two options in his life. One of them is to, to scam, which he's really bad at, which I thought was kind of funny. Or he could do construction and would, like, just hope that somebody would, would ask him to, like, do a day's worth of manual labor for maybe like 25 cents or 50 cents for an entire day. And I mean, I, I would be lying if I said that that 
didn't influence my perspective. Like of, even though I'm in a bad situation, like it could also be way worse than that. Learning about people in even worse situations than he was in caused Jonathan to gain some new perspective. He started to feel just a little bit better. And just as Jonathan started honing his skills and his radar for scams, he noticed that his own cousin kept posting about cryptocurrency on her Instagram story. He never knew her to be interested in anything like that, so he messaged her to ask what was happening. She explained that her account had been hacked, so using his new internet vigilante skills, Jonathan came up with a plan to get the account back. I thought I'd try a new trick. I'd send a message to my cousin's account that was run by the scammer, and I would say something along the lines of, hey, uh, happy birthday. Uh, I want to send you some money for your birthday again, like I did last year or something. And that, that got the scammer's attention again, right? With the scammer's attention, Jonathan began talking to him before eventually making his pitch. His cousin was a new mom, and the Instagram account she'd had stolen was full of baby pictures. So would he be able to buy it back? After some back and forth, the scammer agreed to sell it to him for some Bitcoin. Now, like I told you earlier, I have a lot of experience with these Bitcoin scammers. I would I would fake receipts and stuff and send it to them. Um, but this guy seemed like he was a little bit smarter than the other, other scammers. So I, I had to figure out a, a smarter way to handle this. And I also wanted the account back. With the other scammers, I just wanted information. But this time I actually want I want the account back and not give them the money. So what I did was I thought like, oh, I I was kind of hired as a middleman for a scammer one time. Why don't I just pretend to like be a middleman? Jonathan said he'd pay $200 for the account, a $45 fee to the fake middleman, and an extra $100 to get it all done as quickly as possible. He used his computer to send the money and his phone to act as the fake middleman. When Jonathan got the credentials for the Instagram account back, he quickly changed the password. The scammer didn't realize until it was too late that he himself had been scammed. When I reached Jonathan's cousin, her name's Madison and she lives in Houston, Texas, she seemed perfectly happy to get her Instagram account back. He texted me and said, I got your Instagram back. I said, what do you mean? He said, I mean, I tricked that scammer into giving me the password and stuff. So, like, he tricked him. I don't know how he did that. I didn't really ask too much. Um, I said, give it to me. Oh, my gosh. I said, thank you. He said, no problem. It took me, like, five hours. The truth be told, it didn't seem like the kind of thing that really mattered all that much to her. Madison never made a new account and just kind of moved on from having social media on her phone. Once I got hacked, I was just like, you know what, I don't even use it anyways. The effort that Jonathan put into recovering the account, remember, Madison said it was about five hours, did seem a little excessive. On some of Jonathan's other scam baiting missions, he talked about helping single mothers get their money back after spending their entire Christmas budgets on fake PlayStation 5s. That seemed like a worthy cause. So I started to wonder why he would expend the energy on something so comparatively trivial. Madison clearly adores her cousin. She made a point to tell me about how he, one Thanksgiving, built a Game Boy from scratch. She thought of him as the family genius and was sad to have sort of lost touch with him when he moved to Korea and the pandemic struck. The interaction they had about the account was the first time they'd talked in seemingly forever, she said. For Jonathan, reconnecting with his cousin seemed to be a welcome result of the mission, but ultimately not the reason why he did it. When I asked him to reflect on his motivations, his answer surprised me. Seeing someone taken advantage of by a scammer makes him feel physically ill. 
and using his time and energy to prevent that from happening to others, he had an almost pathological need to stop it. The comparative value of an Instagram account didn't seem like something he gave much thought to. It just wasn't the point. Just like Kitty, Jonathan liked the opportunity to get back at someone who was harming others. But there were added bonuses to their work. Kitty enjoyed subverting the expectations of predatory men. She thought it was hilarious. And Jonathan's skills eventually allowed him to reconnect with a long-lost cousin at a time when all of us were feeling deeply isolated and alone. I suppose I'll never really understand if there was some sort of deeper reason that Michael Wales did what he did. I still don't really have a sense of his motivations beyond maybe getting a bit caught up in a mob of vigilante justice. Or maybe even that's overthinking it. He could have just been a young guy with an internet connection who was trying to have a little bit of fun online. That brings me back to Mishka, the artist I mentioned who wrote that article for Vice, the one that began a years-long fascination on my end. For years, I looked up to him as somebody who documented the phenomenon of scam baiting with an almost anthropological distance. He was an artist, a cultural critic, someone who was, at the very least, not a troll. Or so I thought. And basically, um, in the end, I, you know, I scammed Vice because the scam actually took place in my studio, the, the photo shoot. As it turned out, the entire article that Mishka wrote for Vice was fake. Same with that photo, the one with the man in the Barack Obama mask, holding up the sign that said scammers issue. It was all staged. And this was the first time he'd ever owned up to that. We really played with the whole stereotype of what scammers, uh, what the, the stereotype that Vice had about what scammers might look like, how they might behave. But I, I used, I played with the language of, um, uh, that the scammers would use, and I would write in like three different voices. So I, I created that whole scam. I created the whole thing. So in the end, it was Mishka who was the scammer, and I was the person who fell for it. You, you asked me before if it was a sport, and I think it is. I think for a lot of people it is. It is a, it's a game, and it's, it's a brilliant game to play. You're kind of doing good in a way, in a weird, fucked-up way. You're doing good. Vigilante is written by me, Ali Conti. It's produced by Colin Thompson, Trey Schultz, and me. Editing by Trey Schultz. Music editing and supervision by Colin Thompson. Mixing and mastering by Matt Sewell. Voiceover and narration was recorded at the Relic Room in New York and was engineered by Trey Schultz and Brett Tubin. Cover art by Leah Kantrowitz. Our end credit song is called To Walk Alone and is by Rebecca Rose Harris and Franklin Mockett. Special thanks to Harper Colton and Kelsey Decker. This concludes our single episode story on Scambaders, a brilliant game. Vigilante is a cast original production.
podcast. That concludes our second single story. Also, we have a second full season coming out soon where we tell the story of a different kind of true crime. You won't want to miss it. Uh, I'm pretty stoked about it. So please subscribe if you haven't already. Also, don't forget to rate and review. And sorry to keep asking, but if you have any ideas for future stories, please send us an email at vigilante at castmedia.com. Remember, that's cast with a K. The email address is also in the episode description. And as always, thanks again for hanging out with us. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.